handle the truth. Should we or should we not follow the advice of the galactically stupid? Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe fuck yourself. You're all a bunch of fucking assholes. You know why? You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me. You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say, that's the bad guy. Clearly, don't know who you're talking to, so let me clue you in. I am not in danger, Skyler. I am the danger. A guy opens his door and gets shot, and you think that of me? No. I am the one who knocks. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Righteous Prick Podcast. I'm your host, J.L. Covan. It is 12.10 p.m. Eastern on February 28th in the year of our Lord, 2022. Uh, I recorded seven takes of an episode this Saturday, and all seven were unusable. I have the seventh on my computer right now, and um, let's just say if you've thought any episodes have been depressing up until this point... Um, the what I did Saturday was uh, just a a a different level altogether. Um, I could not get. I almost put out the seventh one, um, which just articulated a bleak vision for my future and my life. And I thought to myself, sit on this because I was doing my day job work all Saturday. Um, it was about the nineteenth straight weekend that, due to family health or work obligations that I was unable to sit and really crunch out and bang out some sketches that I am looking to write for myself, by the way, I have no job in the entertainment industry. These are for myself and for my subscribers, whichever one's social media algorithms allowed to see my work, um, sketches that would cost me money to produce, but I just wanted to, uh, to write. Finally, I have a sketch packet that I want to put together, um, you know, just for followers or possibly Patreon or, <laughs> Uh, to sell to a network. So we all know no, that's not happening. Um, and it was just, I hit a breaking point uh, with my life. Um, but I felt like it sounded too morose. I don't want to alarm anybody. Uh, but it was it was bleak. It was truthful, but it was extremely bleak. I actually started to fall asleep towards the end of it because as I was discussing, my coping mechanisms throughout my life have been uh, cheating and eating bad foods. Those were the two ways I escaped stress and or uh, emotions. And neither one is healthy. One is unhealthy for relationships. And the reason I went to a, uh, well, the reason I began seeing a therapist many years ago was basically because I had gotten to a point where I said, why did I ruin a, an extremely wonderful relationship 
Whereas the relationship before, which was, you know, arguably the worst experience of my entire life, I couldn't have been more faithful. And that just that juxtaposition, unfortunately, uh, made me hit sort of a rock bottom emotionally uh, that, you know, made me sort of examine my life. Also, losing my temper at my family Christmas 2011 was was a side piece to that. Nothing violent, but that I kind of scared my own family with my rage um, that I'd been sort of suppressing. And, uh, you know, like I said, it was literally the volume of my voice and the size of my being. I put hands on no one, but... Uh, that combination led me to therapy. So better late than never. Um, so that said, um, when I get stressed now and don't want to deal with something, it tends to make me sleepy. It's almost like my system is going into shutdown mode. Like rather than punch a wall or, you know, find a floozy to blow you, uh, just go to sleep, Jay. <laughs> It's like an automatic, it's like when your phone overheats and then just like resets, re restarts itself, or is that just my phone? That's what it felt like my body was doing. Literally during the podcast, I was getting so depressed that I was I was practically falling asleep. So I felt I would spare you guys that. Um, I'm having knee surgery on Wednesday, and I'm trying to rush this episode a little bit because I have to catch a 110 train into the city to accompany my mom to radiation. So, um, you know... It's uh it's a stressful week not not regarding my mom's radiation but it's just a stressful week in terms of trying to cram in everything and as usual comedy and comedy pursuits um end up taking a back seat um and the irony that I talked about on the and that I'm trying to talk about in a more positive way right now is um when I sit down at my computer for a day job let alone on the weekend when I am constantly trying to do writing and can't Many of us out there probably hate our day jobs. That doesn't make me unique. But obviously, not to toot my own horn, but I have uh, a unique set of skills. I, the, I'm like Liam Neeson in Taken, except the only thing I keep killing is my happiness. Um, but I obviously have had some success with comedy. Not as much, not as sustained, not as uh, institutionally based in terms of representation that I'd like, but I've clearly had some success recently with comedy and, and littered throughout my weird career. I've had many, many highlights indicating uh, a talent for this and a reason why I should be pursuing it. But because I know the fickle nature of comedy, and unfortunately, I've been completely validated in not leaving my day job in 2020. Like that decision has been completely validated by the fact that I still remain unrepresented. The billions, uh, the billions uh, appearance, which thank you for watching, especially all of you who managed to watch both of my scenes, instead of just saying, oh, this, this funny cunt had uh, 10 seconds, good, click, and missing my bigger scene. Um, but thank you for watching it. But as, as expected, it has led to nothing. And, and that's, you know, I, you do the work to emotionally prepare yourself for the disappointments that comedy brings and entertainment brings. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's a part that people's agents and managers would try to get for them. I got it on my own, but can't drum up any interest at all in anybody representing me. Okay. We've been through that. Of course. Yes. But when I sit in front of my computer, my work computer, five days a week, last week, six days, it is more than just, ooh, I don't like this job. It's boring. I don't like what I do. Ugh, it's not fulfilling. It's a reminder 
it is it is working double time every time I sit down because it is a reminder of oh and don't forget your dream that you have done everything possible to achieve that you have achieved success continues to bafflingly be a failure. So every time I have to sit and not write or not enjoy my life because I'm doing legal work, it is a constant reminder that I'm not doing what I want to do and not in a, there's got to be something more for me out there. No, no, I know what's more for me. I'm on TV. I'm headlining clubs. I'm doing all the work that I want to do. I have all the talent and I've had some opportunities and I've done nothing but succeed with the opportunities I've been given and yet cannot make it a career. And it is, it is, it is, as I've said before on this podcast, my career is somehow less than the sum of its parts. That's the frustrating thing. Um, it's less that like, if you add up everything I've done, my career is falling far short of my accomplishments, which is a, JL on brand irony, but it hurts very deeply and causes me to do two and a half hours of draft podcasts that I can't put out because I will lose all my listeners. I had the biggest week of this podcast, um, well, at least of the last two years since I brought it back. Uh, the biggest week of this podcast was last week. And I think that had to do with obviously that it was a positive, funny, fun episode, but I also used the billions appearance to kind of promote it. So I figured, Hey, if there are any new listeners, I don't want to scare them away with the most depressing episode in the history of this podcast. So at least I ha have more energy as I'm discussing my failures, but, um, it was very tough. And, and, and when it comes to law work, um, I'm exhausted and I'm very unhappy. I'm unhappy with a lot of things in my, there's, there's some personal things I'm unhappy with. I'm unhappy with my professional life. Um, I'm unhappy just in general. I'm a pretty unhappy person and I don't want to be, and I'm trying not to be, but it's, it's very difficult because you get into that mindset and maybe this is how artists and depressed people sometimes feel, but I think there is a line where obviously uh, my, my therapist has, has tried to get me on antidepressants and I've said that I'm open to it, but there is this hesitancy of like, why? Because I'm extremely realistic about my life and the world. <laughs> and I know that's a self-serving rationalization because it doesn't mean that I'm not depressed, but it also, I truly believe that as macabre and depressing as I can sound, I do believe I have a realistic view of of my career prospects of the world of, of of everything around me and it doesn't make me happy but i also go but to what degree am i still right and is being depressed the appropriate response to what i see and feel around me like is is it depression because it's like i shouldn't be this sad or is it depression because it's an accurate reflection of what i see and like i said I'm sure many people, including myself, have a sort of self-serving rationalization, which is like, I'm not depressed. I just, I'm a realist. I just see the world, how bad it is. And I don't know. I don't know. So um, some food for thought, but I trust me, at least I'm articulating this in a high energy intellectual way and not in the falling asleep on my couch because I feel the will to live draining from me. Um, that's not a cry for help. That's just my joke about how my body is literally like, well, you can't. You can't go bang a whore or, or eat a row of cookies because you've made so much progress in your weight loss. So just fall asleep. We're going to go with option three, which is just fall asleep. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that said, um, 
what do I have to promote for you guys before we get into the, some stories and some stuff from the week? Uh, the album taping, uh, excuse me, the special taping, the retape remix, um, is, uh, May 14th in New York city, same location, triad theater, May 14th, 9 30 PM. It's a Saturday. Um, I'm going to make this plea to you guys who are able to make it. If you intend on making it or think you're going to make it buy your tickets now, just, it's one last thing, not to, not to guilt trip you guys, but I, cause I said this the first time and we sold out the room, but it would just be a thing off my mind, especially as I'm recovering from knee surgery. Be like, okay, don't have to worry. Don't have to keep being a shameless promoter for the show. So if you're if you're not going, don't buy tickets. If you can't go, don't buy tickets. But if you think you're going or definitely are going, just buy tickets this week. I'll put the, the show link, the ticket link in the show notes for this podcast, but also they're already up on my website. Uh, also, before then, April 26th, uh, I am at Helium in Buffalo. So if you are in southern, southern Canada or northern, northern New York, I hope you can uh, get tickets to that. That'll be like one of the warm-up shows that I've managed to book uh, before the special taping, retape. Um, but I'm excited in a weird way, silver lining, as I think I said last week. Uh, there are a couple of bits I can, a couple of A-plus bits that I have developed since October. I mean, I mean A-plus, two. Two long bits that are A-plus that will now be in the special. And I will filter out some things from the special. And then I think what we will do is maybe put out the album around the time of the special. And the album will be the first set. So there will be different bits in that set. And so that getting both of them, you will actually kind of have the alternate version with different bits. It'll be obviously mostly the same, but at least at least there'll be a reason for real fans of mine to, to scoop up both. Because the bits that I will be cutting from Half Blackface are extremely strong. These are not bits being cut because they suck. They already made the cut. But given time and given a couple of these new bits I want to work in and want to really trim the, like, trim the special to an hour if I'm able from like 72 minutes... Some things have to get cut, so but there will be they they exist already and they will be available in album form. So just just unless of course somebody like HBO or Netflix buys it and wants to buy the entire sort of rights to the whole kit and caboodle, and then obviously for the right price and the chance to have a career in comedy, I will say sure. Maybe release those tracks as bonus separate stupid pieces of shit. Anyway, so Buffalo. And New York, mark your calendars, get the tickets. And then uh, the only other shows on my schedule, which the ticket link should be up in March, is City Winery in Boston, July 14th and 15th. It's a Thursday and Friday. So as soon as those ticket links are up, uh, I will let you know, and hopefully you can get tickets to those if you're among. Boston and D.C. are clearly my strongest cities by far, so I hope I can maintain that level of success in those cities. Okay, so we got about 25 minutes left to record before i got to go pee and run to the train. Um, trying to think what... Uh, I haven't, I'm, I'm, the one thing that's also been killing me is I haven't been able to read a lot. I've been making very slow progress in Invisible Child, uh, which is really good. I'm enjoying it, but I'm only like 60 pages of 500 pages in, which is not my usual pace of reading. But I've just been very swamped with, with everything. And, um, you know, it's like I said, if the day job was all I had, I'd be like everybody else. I'd be like the, the the regular level of miserable, but then I'd say every two weeks when that check goes in and when my health appointment, my, my medical appointments cost me $20 instead of 480 uh, it makes me, you know, I'd say, well, good for that. It's serving its purpose. But like I said, it's just, it's that double, that double pain of, oh, this is, it's a, it's, it's not just that I don't like the time that I'm using. It's time being taken away from what I'm great at. And, 
what I should be doing. That's the frustrating thing. Like, it's like I should be like, I, I don't do what a lot of fucking assholes and losers do in this business, uh, which is like claim that I'm something I'm not. Like, it's very hard for me to call myself a comedian because I know I spend 45 hours a week doing legal work. Like, to me, being a full-time comedian is is the goal, and I'm not there yet. Could I be? Could I quit today and, and be like, well, I only made X dollars this year, but I'm a comedian? Sure, but that's not what I'm after. I'm after it for real. And obviously, to many people, I am. Artistically, I am. Content production, I am. But, but not in my definition yet. I'm still a part-time everything, or a full-time everything, but... I have too many titles to just call myself a comedian. Um, and it's it's a weird thing because I see the trajectory that I'm on right now. And, it, and like I said, it's validating my um, fear that I had all the way in 2020. Because I, I just said to myself, I'd been burned too many times by this business. And I said, when I, have a, when I have a tour or representation is when I will breathe a sigh of relief. And I don't have either of those things. Um, but I... Um, what do you call it? Um, like, like just to put it in perspective, 2018, okay? I'm, gonna just, I'm not going to give you dollar amounts to brag, but in 2018, my comedy earnings were X, okay? And it was my, I believe, my best year ever. So it was a good year. My comedy earnings in 2020 were 8X, okay? 8X. Uh, my comedy earnings in 2021 were 3X, so... My second best year ever as a comedian, but obviously a sharp drop from 2020, but still a lot of different, like had 2020 not existed, I would be very proud and happy with the comedy money I made in 2021. But 2022 right now is on pace for X. Now, just to put that in perspective, that means that when 2022 is over, barring a sale of a special or huge sales of an album special in terms of retail like selling it to just fans um or a, 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 a billions uh, pray for this one calling me back for a recurring role in season seven i have no idea if that will happen i i hope it does but it's if anybody who saw my scenes knows it could easily be somebody brought back or it could easily be somebody who never comes back it's 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 it's, it's a total mystery and a total crapshoot um but barring those things, I'm going to be back to making roughly the comedy money I made before any of this happened, which I think you would agree is somewhat insane. Um, so, and maybe I'm exaggerating. Maybe it'll be like 1.7x. So maybe it won't be all the way down to 20. But 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 the trajectory is very very clear. So that is that's what weighs on me five to seven times a week as I sit at my day job computer desk. And, you know, it's it's just very difficult uh, to, to deal with sometimes um, because it's not just the day job. It's that the day job is also a reminder. It's not the day job's fault. The day job is doing its job. It's making me money. It's giving me health benefits. And it's making me mildly miserable. That's what a day job does for most people. It's just the reminder every time I sit down that this is not where I should be. That's very difficult to deal with. But I also, I don't want to make, I don't want to do the thing where I go, I can quit, so I'm going to quit. I want to be in a position where I need to quit because my career is at the point where it needs to be, or at least I'm in striking distance. Like what I told Righteous Girlfriend um, 
in a calm moment was um, if the special sells, and when I say sells, I mean to HBO, Showtime, Netflix, Amazon, or and or Billions calls me back for a recurring role in season seven. So those are both big ticket items, but also big low, 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 low odds of happening items. But if either of those happens, those will be the things that I need to say, okay, it's now, it's now. If it's, it's now or it's never. If I'm not going to take a small leap, then what am I waiting for? The whole bridge to be built? No. If I can make the leap, uh, you know, change it from, from 30 feet to, to four feet, I got to do the jump. So those are the things that will, that will, will get me to, to, to leave, to finally be a full-time comedian. Because, but, but right now, both of those are low chances of happening, and there's nothing else sort of percolating or happening for me in comedy or in entertainment. So, you know, that's the story. That's that. I hope I delivered that in a much more uh, confident and uh, less putting a gun in my mouth way than I did in these seven drafts that I could not publish this weekend for this podcast. So uh, let's go to happier news. I gave you the gigs. I gave you the, the lowdown on my career and where I'm at mentally. Um, and what people like I, I, I often say, I said this, I said this this weekend, multiple times, I said, um, if I could there, the, the two of the worst things in my life occurred because I went to law school. Um, you know, I am a relationship that still kind of haunts me to this day in some real, real unfortunate ways. Um, and, and this is the one that's not my fault. Uh, met, met that person at a, at a, at a job as a lawyer. Now, obviously you can always go through different things in life. If you don't learn lessons, you can fall into different traps in different scenarios. We are who we are if we don't try to change. So could I have fallen in with some, some other uh, person that would have had a, a negative effect on my life? Sure. Like I could have been a, a teacher and then uh, started dating a horrible teacher. <laughs> but, um, but law school was my first taste of depression, and I didn't know what it was. I just was like, well, is it not normal to, you know, sleep through all your morning classes? But not sleep, just stay in bed till noon, even though you're awake, like you can't get out of bed. And it's isn't it normal to drink heavily four nights a week when you have classes and stuff? That's, oh, that's not, that's that might be a sign of something. Uh, but I think I've told that story before about my how my college law school girlfriend um called a priest to see me because I was reluctant to see. She had already diagnosed me as depressed, but I was like, what are you talking about? You're like a second year med student. You know what the fuck you're talking about? So she sent a priest from Georgetown to see me uh, instead. Very Father Marin and Reagan-esque for, uh, from The Exorcist. But, um, but yeah, I, I found myself just saying, I wish I'd never gone to law school. Just that was it. I wish I, I had no, I just wish I had never gone to law school. And I think that would have it would have set me on a different path, certainly, and um, uh, certain unique experiences would never have come my way, and that would have been a good thing. But um, but people, I, I imagine people saying, but jail, isn't it law school where you discovered comedy, and because of that, we have all this good stuff? And I was like, well, yeah, yeah, but that's like if you found out your favorite porn star uh, you know, the, 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 the origin story, as I've joked in my standup is, is like, yes, it was, uh, when she was 11 or he was 11, her, his or her uncle railed her in the basement 
And, uh, you know, in a quest, because she didn't seek out therapy, in a, in a quest for re-empowering herself, she began to uh, have lots of sex and eventually fell into stripping and sex work and porn. Now, we may all enjoy his or her work, but only an evil piece of shit would say, hey, if there was a chance that just going to therapy when you were a child would have steered you into a career in nursing, um, but for that, you end up in porn. Uh, can we really say like, hey, well, it's a, yeah, like a good for you. You made lemon out of, you made AIDS and lemonade out of, out of lemons. Uh, <laughs> but that's how I feel about law school. I feel like law school was the creepy uncle who molested my soul and led me to all sorts of bad things. Now, obviously, the analogy doesn't really work, but I'm just saying, if I had to give up comedy to give up, if I had to give up law school and one relationship in my 20s, and the trade was, this is like my version of Jimmy Stewart, it's, it's not, mine wouldn't be, it's a wonderful life. It would be like, it's not as shitty a life. Uh, I, I would give up all of my comedy to give up that. I'm, I'm that convinced that those two experiences stemming from law school and my first job out of law school would have been worth the trade. But we can't do that. So we have to deal with where we are now. But I'm just saying, if you think me going to law school was some, you know, uh, was was penicillin out of mold, comedy was the penicillin coming out of the mold, I would say, no, the mold really choked my soul, um, unfortunately and led to some some bad things. So whatever, this is what I talked about. Let's talk about more fun stuff. But this is, if you can imagine me talking about this, but with more suicide references and me falling asleep on the mic mid afternoon, because I was getting so low energy and depressed, then you have the episodes that I can't release. But anyway, in better news, I went to see Elton John, it was the righteous girlfriend's birthday present from uh, August um, 18th row center uh, floor seats. Um, Elton John was sometimes it does feel like he's almost doing an impression of himself like sometimes I'm like I'm not sure he's even saying the lyrics so that was uh, I guess that's why they call it the blues um, which by the way, they did some like weird bar band bluesy remake of that. It was like one of the lowest moments of the, of the show for me. No, wait, no, no, I'm sorry. It wasn't that one. It was sad songs say so much that they did some, that's one of my five favorite Elton John songs. And they did like this bluesy bar band version. I was like, this sucks. Now, some of it I think was to adjust for Elton's, you know, he's 74, still a showman, still very enthusiastic. Um, you know, a, a feel good concert for sure. Um, but he doesn't have the same high range anymore, which is understandable. So he keeps everything pretty low. Um, when I saw Brian Wilson in concert, he, there was no shame in his game. He just had like a co-singer traveling with him to handle the high parts. Um, you're kind of there when you see Brian Wilson. You're you know for for ninety bucks, you're there just to kind of see the legend and hear the songs that he's written. Whereas Elton John, if you're paying eight hundred dollars a seat. Um, you ain't going there just for uh, you. You still want some deliverance of high level product. 
Um, so I think that's why he just doesn't hit the high notes. But but a lot of the songs I like by Elton John, I know this maybe makes me a basic Elton John bitch. Of course, he did Your Song and Tiny Dancer and um, uh, what's it called? Uh, not Rocket Man. Rocket Man. <laughs> I was going to say Starman. I was like, that's David Bowie. Uh, but, you know, he did all the, the big classics. But then, like, a lot of the songs I like from, like, later on in his career, he didn't do. And I know that maybe they're not the, the fan favorites all through and through. But, like, I'm sorry. Can You Feel the Love Tonight from The Lion King is actually really awesome. And it's on his greatest hits. So let's not pretend like he doesn't acknowledge it. It won him an Oscar. He, could, he have, could he have done a little, a little Can You Feel the Love Tonight? Sure. Believe. A later song. Like, I really like his 90s work, to be honest. Believe. Phenomenal song. I love that song. Something in the Way You Look Tonight. Great song. I, I like the whole catalog, but I, but I felt like it's cute. He did give us the Dua Lipa Elton John song. Uh, Righteous Girlfriend was disappointed that Dua Lipa wasn't in attendance, but I was like, yeah, I, I, I don't think that was going to happen. But, um, but that sounded good, uh, and that's fun. That's very recent. Um, Elton John did say, you know, uh, nice to have a, a top 10 hit. Uh, at 74 and then the next song he did was your song he goes this was a hit of mine from 52 years ago so he was 22 when your song was a hit and then I remembered as I do as the bitter self-righteous artist that I am I remembered him earlier in the show talking about him and Bernie Fershpan I think Fershpan Fershpan uh, his his co-writer for his whole whole catalog um, where they he was like they kept telling us no no this isn't good this isn't good and I was like who kept telling you no apparently now that I've done the research through your own concert you had a hit, you had a top 10 hit when you were 22. Who was telling you no? That's not enough time. You're not old enough to have been told no a lot. That's my whole thing with Kevin Hart when he's like, the industry was just telling me no. I'm like, you were in Soul Plane and headlining comedy clubs at 26. So I don't know. It seems like the industry is telling you yes. Yes, you might have only been making $600,000 that year. You were not yet worth half a billion. But it seems like the industry was telling you yes for the most part, Kevin. So I always am attuned to these sort of faux stories of like, when I was 19, this manager didn't want to rep me. Oh, that must have sucked. So what were your other options? Everything at that point in life. So concert was good, though. And I got to tell you, if I can recommend a song to you, uh, 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 not a not a it was a video and a release by Elton John, but it's not necessarily like his biggest song by by any the one. It was on the same album as the one, which was the bigger hit off the album. But he has a song called The Last Song. And if you've seen the movie version of And the Band Played On, it was an HBO movie from the 90s about the origins of the AIDS crisis. Although some of the facts in that book and movie, I think, have now been called into question. Not like not that it was like faulty journalism or lying, but like just more research has, has emerged on, on the sort of origin story of, of AIDS in America. Um, I guess they portrayed this flight at this like French flight attendant as like the Will Chamberlain of AIDS. He was just like going continent, like continent to continent, fucking everything raw. Um, I'm sure he still did that, but maybe he wasn't as influential uh, as people, people uh, assumed. Uh, in terms of uh, spreading AIDS. But anyway, enough about that flight attendant. Um, the uh, um, He did a song called The Last Song. And I remember my eighth grade Sunday school teacher, Mr. McCarthy, who was also my hoops coach of me and Chris Hayes, which half blackface, there's a bit about that. Um, he played us the video, which obviously you'd think in Catholic school, it wouldn't, but this he was kind of like a progressive as far as Catholic teachers go. But he played us the video. And he, it was, the, the song is this beautiful song. And if you listen to it, it's hard not to get choked up in my opinion, but it's about, basically it's about a, 
a young man dying of AIDS who reconciles with his father and didn't think he would reconcile with his father. And it's like an incredibly, I think, a beautiful and emotional song if you think about what it's talking about. Because this is like mid-90s when obviously AIDS in the gay community and, and I mean, fuck the 90s. It, now, today, AIDS and, and gay children will, will split up families. Um, so like at the time, it, it was just a beautiful song. And, and, and I remember he played us the video and he was he was... He obviously he didn't skirt away from what it was about, but he was also making the analogy like that's like what God's love is. In other words, you're always his child. Like in the in the best sense of the, you know, in the song, there's a reconciliation, and and the the son is surprised and happy to still feel loved by his father that he thought would reject him. Clearly, the the subtext is because I'm gay and I have AIDS, but um, but he was using it also as a parallel to like that's how God loves his children, you know, unconditionally and like whatever the case may be. God will be there for you like like a father, you know. Um, and then he played Father Figure by George Michael. And I was like, I don't really get the Sunday school lesson in this one. <laughs> he didn't play. That was a joke, folks. But um, I guess that's a real bummer to play that song. But that's another song that I think was just is just a top-tier Elton John song. So go listen to that. It's very It always gets me emotional. Um, but it's beautiful. Um and, uh, you know, I think my personal favorite for the night in terms of both song and performance was Candle in the Wind. Not only because we got to see there was an actress in a video uh, as Marilyn Monroe and we got to see some nipple. So I was like, well, thank God. Thank God Elton just assumes his whole fan base is gay men and women because I'm sitting here going, thank you, fake Marilyn Monroe for that nipple shot. Didn't think I'd be getting one of those at the Elton John concert. Um, but it sounded the best, I thought, because it was like sort of in the same register that he's still able to carry strongly. Um, and it's a beautiful song. And it made me sad for Marilyn Monroe. Again, watching, you know, you listen to that song and you watch the video, you're just like, hmm. Man, he really appreciated what a, what a tragedy her life was. Um, so he's very good at writing sad shit. Uh, and maybe that's why uh, Sad Songs Say So Much is such a great song. He didn't perform that, though. Thanks, Elton. Um, he didn't do I Don't Want to Go On You Like That, another one I, I enjoy. Um, and maybe those are the hacky Elton songs. Maybe everybody, the purists, are like, the 70s Elton is the best stuff. You're a fucking hack if you like the 80s or 90s Elton. But I do. I like it all. And I felt like it was not representative of uh, the stuff I like. Though I did enjoy the concert. And... More importantly, Righteous Girlfriend enjoyed it since it was her gift. Um, and this is my gift. To, what is it? And this is my gift. Well, I'm fucking up the lyrics to your song. But anyway. Um, so that's a summary of that. Have I seen any content? I'm three episodes into The Peacemaker. I couldn't watch pretty much anything this weekend. Um, oh, I did watch Free Guy with Ryan Reynolds with my nephew. Unfortunately, my nephew enjoyed it because I figured it was like, PG-13, it's video game related. My instincts were correct. Had it not been for my nephew, I would have skipped that movie the way I skipped it in the theater, even though it was a big hit. Uh, I'm glad my nephew liked it. I, I just didn't give a shit. And two hours later, I still didn't give a shit. Um, but that that's on HBO Max if you're interested. Uh, what else is there? I started um, The Shrink Next Door with Paul Rudd and, and uh, Will Ferrell on Apple TV. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, I like the first episode, but it's also you get curious. Like, I mean, why haven't I heard anybody talk about this show with like two major stars in it? 
and it's just probably a victim of the too much content universe we live in. But one episode in, I liked it. Righteous Girlfriend is sort of like, I'll give it another episode, but she wasn't that into it. So that may be, and that may end up just being a JL special um, that I can report on later. But uh, I'm enjoying, I talked about Abbott Elementary last week. Um, so Peacemaker, I'm hoping to get through this week. Um, fortunately, I've been able to avoid spoilers and stuff. And what else? There's just so much out there that I'll be watching. Um, and, but I got to get back to my reading as well. I got a lot of books here in the 80% completed home office, den, prison, emotional cage, whatever you want to call my work study station. Um, and I guess that's it. I guess knee surgery, if you're not listening to making podcasts great again, I hope, I hope you'll give it a chance. We've had some great episodes recently and the Patreon is, is really good. I don't, everybody always pushes their Patreon, but I think we're probably doing more than we need to just because unlike a lot of comics um i have ethics and i feel like if i'm charging people for stuff it's why even though my cameos are expensive although they're down to 100 guys they're not 150 anymore i think i'm now in the 100 class instead of the 150 class um that was a choice i made just as i said nobody cares anymore but they're still good enough to warrant 100 bucks and to still get orders at 100 bucks but I feel like if i'm charging people for stuff on the internet i've got to i've got to like at least make it I have to be able to live with myself. So like for five, seven or $10, you get a lot of shit on making podcasts great again. It's, it's not just like, here's a bonus episode and a photo. It's a lot. Um, and it's annoying because I do a lot for the show and I sometimes don't want to. Um, but I guess, is that it? I, I'm, I'm hoping I got to write a bunch of sketches. Um, obviously JL max plus prime has not launched. Um, just I've been too busy, unfortunately, with with work, and so I apologize. Um, I'm thinking maybe my birthday would be the perfect time to launch that stuff. That that would give me March to do all my writing, and then April to do uh, you know a third of the filming for for different pieces of content. So maybe being realistic, April is the time to launch it. Then May is the special, and then you know the special will be ready to be pitched by the end of June, early July. So maybe. 4th of July, I'll be able to declare my independence. Probably not, guys, though. And speaking of which, did I talk about Martina McBride last week? I can't remember. Love that song, Independence Day, by Martina McBride. Um, it just goes in my category of songs that should not be as upbeat and peppy as they are. Like, it's basically just about an abused woman murdering her abusive husband. But the song fucking rocks. I'm not a big country fan, but it's like, it's one of those songs that definitely is country. It's not like fake country where it's like this. Hey, y'all, we don't like black people, but our music is 40% hip hop beats, 40% black produced pop beats, and 20% twangs and racism. So it's still country. Um, <laughs> it's a real country song, but it fucking rocks. Independence Day by Martina McBride. Go have a, and it's badass. You know, it's basically, it's about a woman who fucking murders her abusive husband. But it's like, but I bet you they play that shit all the time at GOP rallies. Like, Independence Day. And it's like, yeah, but I don't know if this is like a political rally song. You know, it's it's more of a death penalty rally song, if we're being honest. So maybe they'd still like it. But I have a feeling like a lot of things, they don't know what the fuck is going on in songs. Anywho... I guess we did it. I guess we did it. So I finished up my work assignment, got this podcast done. I gave you the truth, but not in as depressing a way as I did before. Seven takes this weekend. It was two and a half hours of takes, and I couldn't use any of them because I just kept getting too depressed. 
But is there anything else I need to talk about? I gave you the Elton John. I gave you a content update. I talked about my career, which is always fucking depressing as fuck. Um, the George Michael joke, that better have hit. That was in the moment, and I really hope Father Figure hit hard uh, after talking about the last song. Uh, yeah, just go on Apple Music or Spotify and go listen to the last song in Martina McBride Independence. Last song by Elton John, Martina McBride's Independence Day. And uh, I guess that's it. I always do this at the end. I like I go through this long. Like I'm like, do I have anything else to say? I don't think I have anything else to say. Do I have anything else to say? Because I don't want these 700 to 1100 people to be super disappointed when I realize, oh, I had one more moderately interesting thing to share. Not afraid of rambling at the end of an episode. And the sad thing is, Ron Reagan on my most popular episode, Ron Reagan Jr. impression didn't make an appearance last week, so I apologize. For those of you who are new to the show, he's sort of that impression is sort of my obscure Ed McMahon. He chimes in once in a while. Just go look at the Ron Reagan atheist commercials on YouTube if you want to know what I'm talking about. Though he has toned it down significantly, and I think it's because he uh, he knows that I've been making fun of him. Not afraid of sounding less condescending to get more people into atheism. Uh, <laughs> So I guess that's it. I got my Elton John t-shirt from the concert. Um, so I'll wear that maybe in June for Pride Month. And I think we're done. I think we're done here. I don't. I feel like there's something else I should, I should be telling you, like I'm leaving something out. But I talked about gigs. I talked about mental health, guys, self-care, okay? Um, and just, uh, yeah, hope for the best with my knee surgery, I guess. I hope it's a two-week recovery and not a six-week recovery, because the six weeks means six weeks on crutches, two weeks means two weeks with a pimp cane, and uh, let's hope for that. So obviously you'll get an update from me on social media, and then next week maybe I'll be talking about, I wish I could just sit at my desk and do legal work, but now that my knee is all fucked up, it's even worse. It can get even worse. So thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Hope you have a good week. Uh, let's get into March. Hopefully March uh, just keeps marching on uh, towards the end of COVID and we can have a beautiful, wonderful spring and uh, somebody else can fuck up my special. So thanks and I'll see you next Tuesday.